Welcome to the Black College Sports and Education Foundation weekly podcast, where we equip students, athletes, their families, and supporters with vital tools and information that will impact their decisions on educational opportunities and careers. Tune in every Thursday night at 7 Eastern Standard Time as we host prominent guests from a variety of backgrounds, such as education, sports, medicine, and the corporate world. Remember, the Black College Sports and Education Foundation is your one-stop resource center. Now here's your host, Gil McGregor. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Black College Sports and Education Foundation podcast. I'm your host this evening. My name is Gil McGregor. And if you've been following us, and I hope you have, you've probably noticed that my bent towards athletics has been about basketball. That's because I played basketball, obviously, and so our guests have leaned in that direction. But today is a little bit different. Today we talk about a legendary track coach. We talk about a man who's won 14 national titles in 18 years. That's a pretty good ratio, I would think. We talk about men and women's track, indoor and outdoor, we're talking about the coach they call Poppy, <laughs> Coach Victor <laughs> Thomas. Now, we also have a second guest today, and I want to make sure I let you know about him, and this is Mr. Ed Hayes. In fact, this whole foundation, that's his baby. He came up with it, and so Ed is going to be joining us today on the podcast. So let me welcome Coach Thomas and Ed Hayes to our podcast. Thank you, gentlemen, for being a part of what we're doing today. Yeah, we got Coach Thomas, you know, it's just amazing when we start trying to go through all the accomplishments that you've had as a coach. In fact, when we were doing the research and they started reading off the numbers and the numbers got to be a little bit, well, they got to be big. All the championships, the Missouri championships, the regional championships, the national championships, the young men and women that you've tutored that have gone on to prominence, it's just on and on and on and on. And Ed was talking about the Blue Tigers and all of this that he knows as relates to your accomplishments. And I guess the first thing I just want to pose to you is when you're looking for your student-athletes, is there any one model or is there any one kind of student-athlete that you look for? And is there any region that you go to find student-athletes more than the others? Yeah, I normally go to quite a few of them came international. The reason behind that is when I just got here in 2001, I was kind of stunned by some of the attitude that these kids had from Kansas City, St. Louis, you know. We would have trap meet and these kids would rather go to a party Friday night and go to a trap meet Saturday morning. So, <laughs> yep. So I had to say, okay, I'm going to recruit kids who, first of all, love track and field, and secondly, who want to get the education. Everything else is third, fourth, fifth. That's what I look for first. Love track and field, want to get an education. And then I look at the background, the high school, how hard they were working high school, the background history, the high school history. And then, as you know, we are D2 HBC, so we won't get the cream of the crap. I was lucky to get some kids who had a great upside over the years. And, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Well, you know, when I was an academic advisor for five years at my alma mater, Coach Thomas, which is Wake Forest University, and that was a young man named Stevie Brown. 
who was from the D.C. area, but his affiliation was also with one of the islands. And he played football at Wake Forest, but Wake Forest didn't have track and field. They only had cross country. And Stevie was a hurdler. And I was fortunate enough to get someone to help him with his hurdling. And he lost in the NCAAs because he he stumbled over the last hurdle and came in second. But I thought about you and I thought about Stevie because he was a guy that had he not come to Wake Forest probably could have been a NCAA hurdler because he would have been doing it all along and not just as a part-time. And one of my good friends, and I think this is someone that you know, one of my good friends, in fact, he did his graduate work at Wake Forest, Coach George Pup Williams, does that name ring a bell? Oh, George Williams. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess y'all probably go head-to-head a whole lot of times with with your programs. Come on in, Ed, and speak to Coach Thomas because you have a lot of things you want to say. Well, I'm just kind of giddy because I've been waiting a long time to really get introduced to you, Coach Thomas, because I followed your career. And one of those folks you probably never heard of before, but, you know, we have a website we call the Black College Sports History and Legends website. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're a feature article on there, and I've never really had a chance to speak to you, but, you know, it's just an honor to be able to have you on the podcast. I've noticed that just a tremendous, tremendous career that you put together, and, you know, I would hesitate to say under the radar because, I mean, everybody in the yep. world of track field know who you are and, and what you've accomplished over there at Lincoln. Now, this program is really a solid track program for men and women in Division Two, and along with Coach Williams. And I'm curious, you mentioned that your priorities being track and education. This is not a leading question or one of those intimidating ones, but your graduation rate, I assume, is pretty good. Yeah, it's close to 100%. Very close to 100 We have a 90-something, 90% graduation rate. And every year, this is something that a lot of people don't know, Every year we get that NCAA Academic Award, especially the female okay. team. And that award uh-huh. is got the cum for the entire team got to be 3.20. For the last okay. 10, 12 years, we have gotten that award every year, whether we are the winner or we are one of the academic award team. So the team on our whole academically has been doing well. You know, every now and then you got a few, one or two might be, hey, the GPA not too good. But I know most of them do extremely well. We had this past spring, we had nine graduates, nine of the past team graduate, and I think four or five was, they got one of those lot of stuff, cum laude, sum laude, uh, one of those lot of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's something that I push and I believe in strongly. And it's going to be kind of strange, but you know, I get more excited when these kids graduate than actually winning a championship because we have had kids come here and they struggle, man. First year, they struggle. So after four years, when that kid graduates, man, I feel good. When they put that little square hat on and they walk and they take the picture, I'm elated. I feel good because I know they got a chance now. And I've lost some kids. As a matter of fact, I've lost maybe three or four kids to judge because my policy was let's get this degree first. And then mm-hmm. if you want to be a professional after, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Because you ain't going to run forever. The greatest sprinter of all time, Lee Craft, Bolt, Usain Bolt, retired at 30, 31. Michael Johnson retired at 31, 32. So track and field and sports, it's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. But a good education, as I have always said, will never decay. And it will always be there. 
But some people do not buy into that because they are about telling professionals and making money and, and they do not realize that track and field is not like football or basketball. Unless you want a big elite athlete, you make some money. If you're not, you ain't going to make no money, man. So quite a few kids and I have, have not seen I to I have lost some. I've lost some very talented kids because they thought I was not preaching professional at, at track and field. And I cannot preach that, you know. That's something I can't do. I can't preach that. If you want to do it after, hey, fine. And that's something I do with all my new recruits in my one-on-one meeting with them when they just get here. You want to be a professional after you finish? Fine. But for now, you're going to be a student athlete. You're going to go to study hard. You're going to beat the book. You're going to pass the classes. And then whatever happened on the track happened. And that's the story I've been that's, preaching from the get-go, man. That is great stuff, Coach Thomas. And you mentioned your, your study halls. And you talked about the attitude that you saw in high school when you first got there and started recruiting in the area. Has that changed now? Are you able to get more kids locally than internationally? No, I've started to go out. I've gone to Florida and New York. So most of my American kids come from New York and Florida because, to be honest, and something I do not like is that the good kids out of Missouri, Kansas City, St. Louis area, when those kids got 18 or higher, SAT and ACT, or the 1010 in the SAT, the coaches don't call you. But when the coaches do call you, and say, man, coach, I got a good one for you, and you look him up, and that kid is, oh, man, this kid good. When you check his academic, that kid got a 10, 11, or a 12 on the ACT. That's how the coaches deal with HBC school. Trust me on that. When the kid is good, they will not channel them towards you. Academic is weak. They will channel them, oh, he's a good fit. How is he a good fit? Because his AT skills is weak. And that's one of the things I have had with these coaches. They say, oh, pop it all, recruit, St. Louis kids. No, it's not that. You want to give me kids who can matriculate and cannot clear the clearinghouse. And even when we take a few of them in and they are non-qualifiers and you try and guide them for that year to get eligible, they still mess up. Because every Friday, they got to be on the train. Those who don't have cars to go back to St. Louis or go to Kansas City. You have a few who have come and have survived and have worked hard. I can remember one kid especially was from a foster home. He's doing well now, and I'm very proud of him. You know, he's all American over the years too, so you do have exceptions to the rule. But, you know, but majority of the good athletes who have good ACT and SAT and will clear the clearance, now the coaches guide them elsewhere, man. That's a fact. That's interesting. Have you had a chance to address that, like in conferences or talking to coaches? Is there any way to overcome that? No, I don't think so because there's still a stigma attached to HBCU. I don't know why. And I was not raised in the United States, so I wouldn't know where that stigma came from. If you guys know Lincoln University, right across the road from us is JC High School. That's one of the biggest high schools in Missouri. Then around the road, there's a Catholic school, Elias. And about 25, 30 minutes away, there's Blair Oaks High School. And kids who went to those schools, and even in cross-country, because my cross-country is very weak, because we have to split the money. And I'll say, okay, let's get some Caucasian kids to run cross-country. And we tried to recruit from those three schools. 
to get some Caucasian misery kids who ain't going to cost much. How they don't come, man? They would rather go all in the next state than come to Lincoln. And those who do come don't want to run no more cross-country. So I'm not giving up yet, but it's a fact. The reason behind it, I don't know. And I have not gone to try to find out why, to be honest. And I honestly think the other teams, the basketball, football team, has the same problem. You know, the better kids, the more talented kids from these neighboring high schools, they don't come here. I'm going to say, despite the odds and the things that you're saying, you've managed to turn out 819 All-Americans and its performances. And, you know, 31 last season, that still is a tremendous accomplishment on your part. Now, I do want to say that I see your track and field teams have been inducted into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame in 2013. That's a few years ago, and you've added to that accomplishment since then. And I have been going through your bio there, see that there are some All-Americans there that have some national attention, such as Michelle Comerback, Unique Ellington, who was the first Lincoln athlete to be selected as a finalist for the Ken Jones Award, and the top female student athlete in the conference, MIAA. This is still quite an accomplishment, I think, on your part, yeah. because, again, if you mentioned about what is the stigma attached to HBCUs, well, from my experience, is that integration played a big part in diminishing or devaluing the HBCUs in the eyes of a lot of people because, you know, now everybody, you know, could go to PWIs, which is what we fought to accomplish in those goals for equality. But again, it kind of didn't give opportunity for HBCUs to compete with the larger programs. Therefore, you know, you had to work twice as hard, and we can see you put the work in because of the things you've accomplished. The population at Lincoln, we are more Caucasian than blacks. Right. Yeah, of course, we got more Caucasian. But the athletic part of it, no. We got more Caucasian here at Lincoln, a lot more. The only difference is they don't live on campus. They commute. But the athletes who are good don't want to come. But the students, guys who live in town are close by, they do come. Well, that has not diminished the tradition of the school itself. No. And perhaps that didn't come across in the message that they can go to any school that they choose to. But, again, the traditions and the legacies of the HBCUs should be something that is always resonating in their minds because this is our heritage, and, you know, we have to still acknowledge that. Now, one other question I want to ask you that I'm through. I see you, being that you're from Jamaica, you've been participating in the head coach with the Junior Pan Am team, among others. And I see you work with Chandra Brown, who I've seen in the Olympics, I believe, and a few other those on that Jamaican team, which is a tremendous breeding ground for <laughs> track and field athletes. And then those Samoa Hackett, Roxroy Cato, they're all recent participants in the Olympics. Yeah. He was here when he went to Olympic and then he transferred to St. Augustine. You know, he was one of those kids I'm talking about who wanted to make it big in track and field. And then to think about the next side, I get him that degree. I don't know if he graduated. I don't know. You know, I just certainly hope he did, you know. So he was one of them I was talking about. But, you know, one of my greatest satisfactions since I've been here, it's been a little kid from Oklahoma, a young lady from Oklahoma, you know, who walk on onto the team, walk on. She went to Kansas State. And they wouldn't have her on the team because her time was too slow. And she walked on to Lincoln University team. And she ended up being a national champion three, four, five times. Wow. You know, 
when I think about Jenny A. Johnson, that's about four years ago, she was on the 2014 winning team. She won 100, I was second in the 200, I was on the 4 by one And those are things that I look into and say, and I feel good about, to be honest, you know? And sometimes I look at it, she didn't start getting any scholarship money until her last year. And all she did was come and say, Coach, can I get a book voucher? <laughs> and I gave her a book voucher and a little more money to take care of her. And she mm. ended up being one of the best printers that I have had who came through the ranks. So the point is, if some of these other kids from the surrounding adjacent states would just give us a try, I wouldn't need to go overseas and get nobody, man. I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've had Jenny speak to some of these girls. I had some girls from Kansas. And Jenny came and spoke to them and said, hey, coach might be miserable, man, but just do the work and you'll be all right. Coach, so academically, does Lincoln offer anything that you want to say to the kids, come to Lincoln and study this? We have a very good nursing program. I think it's one of the top in the state. You know, it's hard okay. to get into, you know, and you have to come in with IGPA, SAT, ACT. And then I think you have to do the prerequisites a year, a year and a half, three semesters, I think, not sure. And then you get into the program if there's a space. But the nursing program is excellent. Then we also have an agriculture program where we have that fishery. They have a farm where they have that farmer's market every weekend in the summer. So we have the agriculture, the nursing, and then criminal justice is very good. Okay. Business is very good. And then the wellness has just been revamped. The wellness and recreation, it has been revamped, so it's in a teething stage. But it's a very good program where you can do kindness, sports management. They have all oh, different yeah. Oh, yeah. stuff related to that. So in a year or two, I would predict that program is going to be one of the best, you know, as soon as they get down to the nitty-gritty. Because it used to be just wellness. You know, it expanded to kindness management and other little areas, you know, so. And what we're trying to do, Coach, we're trying to point young people to let them know that there are HBCUs that have programs like you're talking about, that once they get that education like you're talking about, they can go out into the world and be successful, but that they also can have an opportunity to be a blue tiger, to be coached by Victor Poppy Thomas, one of the best track and field cross-country coaches in the world. And that's why we wanted you to spend some time with us, and that's why we thank you for the time that you did spend with us. We have working areas that come in, I think, twice a year, and they have that job fair where they come, they fill the gym up, and then they have kids coming in, high school kids, and it's open to the Lincoln student to go, and they come and they talk to them and advise them on career. We have a career department where we advise kids how to write a resume and all those stuff, and set it out and look and seek job for them. So a kid come here, unless they're, they're not serious about life, they'll be high. They will be okay. Because we have every year that there is to take care of the kids. If you are slow, we can get tutors to help you in whatever classes you want. And plus, we have a smaller school, so you know it's going to be easier for you to get a one-on-one from a tutor if yeah. you set your schedule up. And they will help you. They'll not write the paper for you, but they will help you. <laughs> you know, can't write it for you, though. I understand that. <laughs> you know? Well, Coach, I'd just like to add that we at the foundation, Black College Sports and Education Foundation, we have a program called the Comprehensive Preparatory Assistance Program, which we look to reach out to underrepresented, underserved 
students who probably don't have the information or access to resources that would help them to get to the next level. And we tutor and counsel and coach them and we hold their hands through their high school and pre-high school years to kind of help them to shape their career planning stages. And of course, we advocate that HBCUs be a part of that process, thinking about them in that way. So if we can be of any assistance to your school, well, we'd look to kind of unite with them through the education process, and we'll have information. Don't hesitate to call us. Okay, we'll do. And I know the Thurgood Marshall program used to help us back a few years yes. ago. Yeah, so we'll supplement to the program to those existing organizations that are working with the young folks and we've come across some who are doing a fantastic job with them we do add this element of support to them and that's our mission okay coach thomas yeah keep on winning them championships keep on producing those champions and as ed has said if we can help you with your mission and what you're looking to do with student athletes male female you give us a call Black College Sports and Education Foundation, we are here for you, and we thank you for being there for all the students and student-athletes that have gone through your program in all the years. So your accomplishments and their accomplishments is just something to be admired. So we appreciate your time, and we thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you, man. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Gil. Thank you. Thank you. We thank all you for listening to our podcast, and we want you to join us next week because we're certainly going to have more information, more entertainment, and more informative stuff about Black College Sports and Education Foundation is here for you, and you check us out for our next podcast. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. For more information about us, please visit our website, at www.bcsportsfoundation.com. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at HBCU4Life. That's HBCU, the number four, life. To be a potential guest on our podcast, contact Ed J. Hayes at ed.j.hayes at gmail.com. Tune in next week for another amazing show.